Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. My name is Fregel Byrne. Every week I speak to leading figures from the world of sustainability and explore the sustainability agenda in marketing and strategy, technology, innovation, investment and finance. We look at the latest thinking, what's working and the future and evolution of the sustainability agenda. The whole approach that um, I have been driving and our executive team has been driving is really to integrate sustainability into business. I think Ericsson and you know, maybe also being a, a Scandinavian company, I think the culture and, you know, the values in the company are very um, aligned with sustainability uh, type of thinking and the whole triple bottom line concept. So I would say, I mean, we have quite good anchoring and leadership and integration into our core strategy, our core values, you know, all the, you know, the mission and vision. I'm very pleased today to introduce Elaine Weidman Grunewald. Elaine is Vice President of Sustainability and Corporate Responsibility for the Ericsson Group worldwide. Since 2005, her work has focused exclusively on driving Ericsson's sustainability and CR initiatives. And today, she's part of the Ericsson Global Leadership Team. She is also the head of Ericsson Response, the company's humanitarian and disaster response program. Elaine is responsible for a number of partnerships which explore the use of Ericsson's core technology to solve some of the world's most compelling sustainable development challenges. She's on the board of Millennium Promise and is a member of the Broadband Commission for Digital Development and the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network. Welcome Elaine and thank you very much for taking the time to speak to the Sustainability Agenda podcast today. Can you tell me a little bit about your role at Ericsson? Sure, great. So um, I've actually been in Ericsson for 18 years, which seems like a long time, but um, the role, my role has evolved quite a bit, you know, over that period. I remember when I joined Ericsson in 1998, I started as an environmental product manager in one of our business units. And today I'm a senior vice president and chief sustainability officer uh, reporting to the CEO and part of the executive leadership team. So I think that, you know, the changing role over time is also, I think, an indication of how the importance of topics like sustainability have evolved over time. Indeed, indeed. Um, it's, it's been coming for a while, but there does seem to be a, uh, a momentum now about the sustainability uh, focus in, in, in many leading companies. And what does sustainability mean at Ericsson? Sustainability is really what, what we've tried to build over the last several years is an approach that is, it's, it's not like a separate department. Our whole ambition, the work that we do, of course, we have different experts for, for different areas, but the whole approach that um, I have been driving and our executive team has been driving is really to integrate sustainability into business and we talk a lot about our sustainability journey, and we just break this down into three pretty basic concepts. We talk about 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. And 1.0 is really about establishing a basic foundation of governance and trust. So this is where, you know, if you were a company just starting with sustainability, you would want to make sure you have the right policies in place. You would want to make sure that your management system had the right controls in place. You would want to make sure that, you know, you were able to respond to stakeholder demands. You would look at, 
you know, a process for materiality and identifying key issues and so on. So that's what we call the foundation, and, and that's been in place, you know, for, for many years. Um, when we talk about 2.0, this is really the business integration piece. So if you look at um, how we run the sustainability area, we focus a lot on targets, and, and we really believe that things that get measured are things that matter. So we spend a lot of time trying to find um, the right type of targets not that we would have those targets only in our sustainability department, but rather we push them out into the organization. So a few examples of that, what we mean by business integration would be our sourcing department really takes the accountability for responsible sourcing. Our um, legal department drives very much our anti-corruption program, but equally important is our business units and product lines work with the portfolio from a sustainability perspective. That could be energy efficiency and things related to climate, for example. So it's really about putting things where they belong from a functional perspective. Um, when in a global organization as big as Ericsson, um, this has really been kind of a, a really important uh, piece of the puzzle. And then the 3.0 part, this is about really creating sustainable solutions for society and for the future. So it's really looking at more the value creation piece and looking at not just our own impact as a company, but looking at how can we deliver solutions that have a positive impact on society and do that um, deliberately. So it's about creating more sustainable systems in the future. So that's a little bit about the 1.2.3.0 approach that we've had. Right, that's quite, quite, quite a neat way of uh, uh, classifying the different activities. Um, and where are you, would you say, with uh, business integration? It seems to be a really uh, big question for large companies, how to actually you know, uh, translate these sustainability goals into the business. Um, you know, in, in some cases uh, in the past, sustainability uh, could be separate from the business or in its own uh, area and so forth. But bringing these values, I guess, into the business, what have been one or two of the key milestones uh, on that journey? Well, I'd say where, where we are today is probably somewhere between the 2.0 and the 3.0. We've done the integration piece. I mean, I think Ericsson and, you know, maybe also being a, a Scandinavian company, I think the culture and, you know, the values in the company are very um, aligned with sustainability uh, type of thinking and the whole triple bottom line concept. So I would say, I mean, we have quite good anchoring and leadership and integration into our core strategy our core values, you know, all the, you know, the mission and vision, all, all the, you know, top level kind of um, important steering, we have really integrated sustainability. And I think where we still, you know, are focusing quite a bit of our efforts now are, are really looking at as um, how our portfolio evolves over time and how our industry evolves and looking at all the opportunities around digitalization, for example, digitalization of societies, looking at how to best describe that impact is, is where we put um, a lot of focus right now. Right. 
Right. What would you point to um, as as a few of the the, the uh, things that you're proudest of in terms of uh, what you've done from a sustainability perspective? Well, I would say, you know, this whole idea of the inter business integration and, and this whole journey that, that we've been talking about, I mean, leadership starts at the top. And if you set the right tone and, and the right support for an area at the top, I mean, it's just makes such a huge difference when, when you then cascade that vision throughout the company. And I think one of the things that um, I am very proud of is, is really the acceptance of from the top leaders in the company. We started about a year ago. I, I've been working with my team on, on different aspects of the sustainable development goals. This is just one example um, for the past several years. And um, one thing we did about a year ago is we said, all right, for our executive team, what if we all you know, become an ambassador for one goal that, that we're passionate about? Um, my goal is SDG4 for education, but everybody in our executive team kind of uh, signed up for a goal. And, and we work with that in different ways over the year, but we also made it very visible in the company. Uh, we have posters up, we have done, you know, articles, web pages, really talking about these sustainable development goals, because one of the most important, I would say, aspects of these goals are that they're meant to be everybody's goals. They're not just the UN's goals or, you know, high-level policy goals. There's been a big push to make, um, you know, make raise awareness about these goals. And so we did that in the company. And, and then we saw that it started to spread. And um, now we have something, maybe the top more than 200 leaders now have, you know, adopted these goals, taken their pictures with these goals, sharing them in social media, and it's just cascading throughout the company. And I think it's a very visible, inspiring way to raise awareness among all employees. So I think that's been um, quite a successful initiative. Right, right. Um, uh, that does sound very interesting. I, I'm wondering, and it also uh, ties into this question of... Um, the, I guess the benefits for Ericsson, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit in, in a moment of a few of the, you know, uh, external uh, initiatives you've you've undertaken, the technology for good, things like that, and mm -hmm. the impact of those. But um, the question about uh, enge employee engagement and other related uh, questions about being a sustainable business, how do you look at that and, and what would be some of the benefits that you, you would point to? And, and I'm also wondering whether you might have a perspective on how investors view your sustainability initiatives. Um, okay, so if we start with employees, I mean, we see so many opportunities uh, to link our sustainability initiatives with our employee engagement. We see all over the world, really, it doesn't matter, we're in 180 countries, and we see so much engagement um, from employees uh, on this topic area. I mean, if you just take the whole millennial thing, I mean, a lot of the younger generation, of course, they work for their salary and they need to make a living, but I think less and less people survive on only that. I mean, people want to work for a company that stands for something and that is contributing to society and being part of a positive change. If, if you look at even the backdrop of why the Sustainable Development Goals were formed, I mean, 
We have huge issues around social and financial inclusion, around poverty, around access to water and energy, climate change. If you look at this whole world that we're living in, you know, people want to find ways to be involved in that, and, and in particular, the younger generation. So we use technology for good. That's our theme that we started working with about five years ago. And I think it's important to note that um, from an engagement point of view, we, we don't have a philanthropy program. We're not doing charity, but with technology for good means we're a technology company and we want to apply our own technology and the skills of our employees for the betterment of society. So um, it's a huge opportunity for employee engagement. And, and I can talk about some of the specific programs there uh, in a few minutes. But but you also asked about investors. And, um, and we have a very active engagement and dialogue with investors, especially the socially responsible investors. So we, we you know, as many companies, I guess, we do a number of um, outreach activities to make sure that investors know about our programs. We get so many inquiries, you know, surveys, rankings, all of this. So um, we're generally seen as uh, quite advanced in, in the sustainability area. And, and our last sustainability report was our 24th sustainability report. So it's not really a new thing for us. We've been reporting. We we know how to do the KPIs. We follow the GRI um, and all of that. So, But I would say the main interest still is from the SRI community. But, um, yeah, so there's still maybe some awareness raising to be done among more mainstream investors. But I, I don't think that's specific to Ericsson. I think that's um, more general comment that most companies would experience. Right, right. Um, uh, uh, does it matter? Do, do investors matter? Um, there are, as you say, the SRI investors and so forth. And then uh, I guess there's a spectrum of other investors from more financially, pure financially based to, uh, to, to I guess, just, you know, diff different sets of uh, ob objectives or, or ways of looking at things. Um, I mean, how, how do, do you quantify that? Do you think about that? I mean, anything else you could say there about um, the, the investor side of things? Well, um, from the investment community point of view, I mean, relatively speaking, it's only a small percentage here that are held uh, by the SRI community. That's right, yeah. And, um, and of course, those are very important, um, you know, to keep track of that and make sure, you know, that we satisfy that group. Um, on the mainstream investors, I think... You know, we're talking about, and, and now I'm speaking more generally, not just about Ericsson, but there's an enormous amount of wealth, you know, being invested. And I think that we, and I don't, again, mean Ericsson here, but we working with sustainability, we need to really do what we can to, to drive some of those mainstream investments toward some of these issues to finding solutions agenda. I mean, whether you look at renewable energy, whether you look at, in our case, um, digitalization as a way to achieve the SDGs, whatever topic we look at, I think there needs to be far greater awareness among the investment community. And, and um, we need to make the issues relevant. We need to speak more in the business terms to attract you know, the investment community. I think it's starting to change, but, you know, 
still. Um, Work in progress. <laughs> yes, for everyone. Yes, absolutely. That's very interesting. Um, and I, I, I'm just wondering about um, the, the the range of initiatives because you know, as you say, you look around the world and there's so many uh, kinds of problems and exclusion and uh, you know, from climate change to you know human rights issues and how do you draw the line? And I'm just also wondering about some kinds of decisions are clearly you know win-win uh, types of situations and you can see developing perhaps new technologies uh, you know that that would have a market and so forth. Can you talk maybe a little bit about some of the more difficult decisions that you might have had to make that there are genuine trade-offs between sustainability and maybe some other business goals? Um, sure. So. I think one of the areas where um, that has been challenging for us is if you if you just look at the field of um, human rights. Um, here we see that I mean we were very early on one of the um, first companies to start working with the new UN guiding principles for business and human rights. Well, they're not new anymore. It's 2011, but we've been really focusing on um, implementing. Our, our work with human rights in accordance with those global principles. And, you know, as, as is the case with probably all industries, there's always trade-offs. And um, one of the areas we've been focusing on is around um, misuse of technology. So, of course, we know that the benefits that technology can bring, if you look at topics like humanitarian response, if you look at development issues more broadly, if you look like how to achieve goals on education through digitalization, how to improve livelihoods through mobile communication. I mean, these things are pretty well proven today. Um, I remember 15 years ago, they weren't. But today, there's quite a lot of evidence around the benefits that um, technology is, is bringing to, to different types of sustainable development issues. But when it comes to human rights, we have to see, you know, how will our, our technology be used? How, where, in which markets? I mean, certain parts of the world can can be, you know, higher risk for for different types of um, misuse or unintended use of technology. How do we make sure that we are on the right side of the equation and that we're driving um, development of technology with an intention? of protecting people's privacy with an intention of, of using uh, functionality and telecom networks for good. So it's been, um, and we have done that. We, I mean, a lot of companies maybe don't want to talk about these more difficult issues, but we believe that being transparent and, and working with challenges like human rights, is, you know, we don't always have all the answers, but we, we're very much part of different multi-stakeholder dialogue um, to address that. And, and, and one example is uh, um, of what we've done within the company is what we call our sales compliance board. So we look at, we use an external risk uh, firm to look at countries that are um, maybe higher risk than others from a, um, different types of human rights perspectives like freedom of expression or privacy and, and or corruption, these types of things. And then we have a whole process for analyzing um, sales to those countries. We look at who, to whom do we sell and, and what do we sell. And sometimes there are trade-offs. I mean, we sometimes we turn down business because we see that it could be high risk and, and maybe one 
small deal could have a very negative impact on the company brand. So those type of trade-offs we work with every day. And the point is to have a process to manage it and, and make sure you have the right internal stakeholders at the table and part of the process. So, so that's one example. Great, great. And at the heart of that, I guess, also is you're talking about communication and transparency. Can you talk a little bit about transparency and, and uh, what it means and maybe one or two of the challenges that um, uh, you face or that, you know, that, that organizations face trying to be truly transparent? You know, we're living in an era, era of increasing transparency. And so I, I, I think the days of, you know, companies hiding things or not reporting them, I don't know, different industries, those days are over because we're living in such a digital society. And, you know, we don't, from, now I'm speaking from Ericsson perspective, we don't always have all the answers and we have a lot of challenges. I talked about the sales compliance one. Another one is around um, occupational health and safety, for example, when mobile networks are being built, there's a lot of um, accidents that can happen in the supply chain around climbing towers and driving and that kind of thing. And we decided that it's better to be transparent about this and report, you know, serious incidents and make this known because at the end of the day, it's an industry issue. And we focus a lot on capacity building and training. If, if we would report health and safety incidents for just Ericsson, we would have zero fatalities and basically zero serious incidents, maybe a couple year on year. But, but we felt that that is actually misleading because we have a supply chain where we use a number of suppliers that are doing the building. And so we think it's better to take responsibility for our whole supply chain report on incidents in the supply chain and create a culture of transparency and reporting whatever market that you're in. So we have spent the last couple of years really building the right tools, um, focusing on training and, and development of some of our suppliers in order to reduce risk. So it's, it's an area where it's not perfect, but we talk about it and we have focused programs. We have dedicated resources to deal with it. And, and our vision is zero incidents. So we will constantly strive toward that vision. Right. That's very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, it sounds uh, like it's very good work. Um, can you tell me a little bit about Ericsson's Technology for Good program? Sure. So technology for good, um, as I mentioned a little bit in the beginning, it, it is exactly what uh, what the words say. It's about how can we use technology to um, improve a social or an environmental challenge. And we, we, we break up our work into two main buckets. First, we have um, the work we do in the humanitarian sphere, which is um, basically you know, we have no commercial motive in this. We do this because it's the right thing to do and because we can have a huge impact on supporting humanitarian community. Um, mostly this is around our work with refugees or um, humanitarian and disaster response. We're part of the um, emergency telecom cluster of the UN. We've had a program called Ericsson Response that's been running for the last 15 years, and we have served the UN and the humanitarian community in 40 major disasters in, in 30 countries over the last 15 years. So we've been we've been in uh, Haiti, we've been in Nepal, 
we just sent the team um, this week down to Haiti for this current emergency, and we establish um, temporary uh, non-commercial communication capabilities for the UN. Uh, we work very closely with World Food Program, UNICEF, the Red Cross, a number of different agencies, and we have um, a volunteer community within Ericsson of about 150 employees that are specially trained that do very detailed um, disaster response training and they can go out in the field and help reestablish communication capabilities when when there's a disaster um, and it doesn't have to be like right now with haiti we're, we're dealing with the aftermath of this um, very powerful hurricane matthew and, and and all the problems that that has brought the havoc but it can also be more protracted human induced uh, conflict type of situations like um, IDP or refugee settlements that maybe, you know, are designed to be very short term, but maybe get extended over many months to a year. So that's the an example of, of the humanitarian side. And then uh, we also work with technology for good more from the point of view of, of looking at how um, we can contribute directly to the business and work on innovation, work on business development ideas while addressing uh, different challenges. So, so one area is around education. We have a program called Connect to Learn, where we're using our core assets, which are mobility, broadband, and cloud, and looking at how to um, really find a new approach to deliver digital education, primarily in emerging markets, and um, help with this whole transformation, which will enable the achievement of, of the um, Sustainable Development Goal 4. So those are a couple of examples. Right, right, that's fascinating. And then the Ericsson Innovation Awards, is this connected? Yeah, so the Ericsson Innovation Award, we started uh, five or six years ago. Um, and it's, you know, been evolving over time. Uh, we just announced the latest one, which is focused on food and agriculture. And really it's about um, having, putting a, a challenge out there. For 2016, the theme was um, the future of city life. And so, uh, but we've had other ones in the past, you know, different themes. Right now, the theme for 2017, which was just announced, is the, the future of food. And it's really about finding technology-based innovations that will have a, a positive impact on on the world of the future, if, if, I, if I simplify a bit. So, um, and, and it's really um, an opportunity to attract, for us to attract new young talent, but also to uh, boost some of our own innovation ideas and capabilities. And so, um, yeah, so, so that's the... The overall idea, and, and we work with a number of um, nonprofit organizations, academia, different types of partners. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the basic idea. Great, great. Sounds like a great ambition and um, a very exciting project. Um, I guess my final question then would be just over the next three to five years, what would be one or two uh, your important sustainability priorities? Is is sustainability uh, changing? Um, people talk a bit about the future of sustainability, but just in the context of Ericsson, I guess, uh, if there are one or two things that you might uh, point out. What, what I really am um, 
drawn to right now in the sustainability field is the whole idea of of being a, a purpose-driven company and and really you know not just using that as a buzzword but but really honing in on what that means and one of the things we did a couple of years ago in Ericsson I mean we have our company wanted position um, but and we define these different stakeholder groups we have shareholders employees and customers which are pretty traditional type of stakeholders and you know metrics that go behind that but we added a fourth category which is called society so as a company we have said on the same level as we measure our impact against these different stakeholder groups we also want to understand what is our impact on society and and how do we describe that and so i would say one of the key issues for me over the next couple of years is really finding the metrics and and the way to um, describe this. And and we're using the sustainable development goals kind of as our umbrella for that. But really, you know, when you come into things like shareholder value or defining return on investment, what, you know, really finding the key metrics to measure when it's not a dollar or a pound or whatever currency you're in, Swedish kroner, it's not a numerical value. It's, It's not something you're going to measure each quarter from a profit and loss point of view, but it's something you want to capture over time and be able to describe the impact in a way that's meaningful for the business, you know, to really get this on the agenda. So I think that's really where we're focused right now and in, in, in making that whole thing about being purpose-driven, making that real and tangible. So that's um, probably the greatest focus we have right now. That's a great ambition. And as you say, uh, the whole question of measuring these other uh, factors, which are terribly important and which companies uh, have a big impact on, as you say, in society and starting to think about that is, is so, so, so valuable. Um, but it's been a really uh, fascinating discussion, Elaine, and thank you so much for taking the time and uh, sharing your perspectives and insights. And uh, I wish you the very best uh, with the continuing sustainability work at Ericsson. Thanks so much, Virgil. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. Please sign up at the sustainabilityagenda.com website or on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.